Welcome to Wednesday Comics. Brought to you by RootsOfTheSwampThing.com and Supercon 2018, Return of the Con. Welcome to Wednesday Comics. To my right, we have the Iron Man of uh, Wednesday Comics. Alex, how are you doing? Hello, everybody. And across me, there he is, Bruce Banner himself. Garrett, how are you doing? Uh, smashing. And here I am. I am Steve Rogers. We're here at the Wednesday Comics podcast uh, to review some books for you this week. The books that came out on uh, 4-10-2019. And also talk about a couple of things. First up here, actually, I wanted to bring this as a surprise to these guys. We didn't go over this. Usually we talk about what our free talk is going to be about. But today I spring it on you guys. And uh, Garrett might be aware of this, but Alex, there's no way in hell you're aware of this. Um, today Disney had their big uh, press conference about their new uh, streaming service, Disney Plus. Right. Uh, they announced a bunch of Marvel stuff and made some uh, Marvel details known about what's going to be on there. I have a couple of things I want to bring up here to get your take. Uh, first up, right up, right up top, uh, cost and when it's available. November is going to come out for seven ninety nine a month. Uh, it is going to have all the Disney movies on it, all Disney Channel content, uh, original stuff, and then also a lot of Fox stuff too, like all the Simpsons is going to be on there, things like that. So we have an archive of stuff that they're going to be, but they're also producing new content. And that's what we're going to talk about here with Marvel Studios, their new content that they're putting out. On there, first up, shows confirmed is a Wanda and Vision show, and the show title is called WandaVision. Uh, I don't know if I like that title, but it is going to be uh, the people from the movies. Um, God, what's their name? Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany. And uh, Elizabeth Olsen. Olsen. Yes. Uh, are going to be in this. It's going to be, I think it's, it's meant to be a miniseries. It's not a full ongoing show. So they'll be doing that, WandaVision. And then a Falcon and Winter Soldier show. And they had a logo also that they revealed. It's called Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, that'll be on there. That also, I believe, is a mini series. It's not ongoing. And then we have Loki. Loki's getting his own show with Tom Hiddleston. And then a What If show is going to be an animated show with MCU actors voicing their characters, where each episode is just a What If kind of uh, episode, like the issues are. So that'll be that. Uh, it's going to be what if within the MCU, so it's going to be MCU timeline, stuff like that, in mixing that around, rather than just all of Marvel. But here are the things they announced. Captain Marvel will be on the service day one, so it's not going to Netflix anymore. That's the first one that's not going to be on Netflix. Uh, Marvel studio actors will be returning for their roles. I just said, oh, here we go. Elizabeth Olsen, Paul Bettany, Sebastian Sean, Anthony Mackie, Tom Hiddleston, etc. The shows will have ramifications on a post-Endgame world. So, uh, Kevin Feige um, and uh, Bob Iger, who is the president of Disney, also said that post-Endgame, that these shows will be important and they're going to actually use these shows more for uh, like stuff that happens in the shows will be mentioned in the movies and things that happen in the movies will be mentioned in the show and they'll be more intertwined than before. I'm guessing, because in the past they had Netflix shows, they had a show on Hulu, they had a show on ABC, uh, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that one probably was the most interconnected because ABC is owned by uh, Disney. But I think because Disney Plus is their own thing, 
now it's going to be more intertwined because they can control it more, I'm guessing. And so it's being produced and made by them, so they're going to control the narrative and everything's going to be connected. So everything there, they said uh, these shows will be important to that. Um, as you see, though, maybe Falcon Winter Soldier and WandaVision, but Loki, I think Loki has to be, I mean, unless something happens here, guys, Loki has to be like a prequel, right? I would assume uh, so. Hey, aren't you missing one? Uh, I'm getting there. Hold on a second. Uh, well, this article says, but I'm pretty sure I saw it announced. Hawkeye, it's going to be a Hawkeye show with um, Jeremy Renner and Kate uh, Bishop. Uh, they haven't announced. Obviously, Kate Bishop is not a cast yet, but they said this show is going to be basically Hawkeye uh, teaching Kate, and it's going to be the kind of uh, transition show to bringing Kate on board. And then the I guess the rumor is then there'll be a Young Avenger movie where she shows up, and you're supposed to know who she is already because of the show. So that's what they mean mm-hmm. about more intertwined. Like they'll introduce people who show up in the show and they expect you to like watch that and then they'll be in the movie. So that here, but I don't know what the tone though. You think that Hawkeye is kind of jokey? You can get that kind of Matt Fraction kind of stuff. I don't know. I think the, the Jeremy Renner depending like in age of Ultron, he had a kind of a more jokey thing when he was in civil war. He's a little more jokey. He's not the, uh, bro, 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 jokiness that the, uh, freaks were in that book but i think he has the option to be that way if he wanted to you know be light-hearted when he's with kate i guess we'll see yeah jeremy renner i mean in those mission Impossible movies I, he's not even funny in those really i mean he's good at like one-liners but that's it but i mean that has to be, i think that's a prerequisite to be in those marvel movies to make quips they're only, he's only a quip guy but in the book he's more uh funny you haven't so, seen his hawkeye bit on jimmy fallon no i haven't you should watch that. That might change your mind. <clears throat> um, here's some more details about the service. Uh, they will allow you to download shows, so all content will be accessible offline. So if you want to download it in case you're going somewhere with no internet, you can still have that. Um, you can have individual profiles. So if you want to buy it and have like two different profiles, you can do that. Especially like if I were to buy it, I'd probably make one for my sons and then one for me so they can watch their movies and not get it intertwined. So it tells me, hey, you want to pick up and start watching this movie again when I'm trying to watch this Loki show? Who knows? Um, and then also it's, it says, yeah, so each uh, profile you can customize how you want it and make your own custom avatar or choose characters from the library. So you know who I'm going to put on there, right? Got to put... Great uh, Master Detective. <laughs> well, yes. Obviously that. Um, I was going to say Louis. Uh, what's his name? King Louis? King Louis from Jungle Book? Yeah. Well, that's you, really. You got the arms. <laughs> yep, you know, you know it. <laughs> um, so let me ask you a question about this service. Obviously, it's gonna be more on the service that they announced, but it's all like other stuff. Like uh, anybody ever watched Phineas and Ferb? No. Nope. Oh, okay. What about uh? <laughs> um, but there's a bunch of stuff that they're making original series that aren't just Marvel stuff. But that's the Marvel stuff they announced. Let me ask you a question. I'm gonna throw it towards Alex first, since I know he's the least interested in this topic. Um, does this, I know you're a big Disney movie collector. Uh, is there any Disney movies? A first off, you don't have. Yes. I don't have the great mouse detective. (laughs) 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 So does this kind of service interest you at eight bucks a month? I think at eight bucks a month it does, but my only concern would be much like Netflix. Eventually they're going to, Jack up that price. What? And at that s- point in time, I would just decide, do I keep Netflix or do yeah. I just keep Disney? But I think Disney actually does have 
most of things I'd want to watch. If all the MCU movies were going to be on there, I wouldn't have to find them because much like I've said on the show now, uh, last week I couldn't find my volume one of Criminal. I just read the damn thing on Hoopla. I didn't have to go digging around. Hey, I some, just watch it right then and there. Sometimes you don't want to take it out of the case and put it in. You just want to turn it on and watch it. Yeah. But, but if, so, I mean, in all honesty, Beating the Beast to be number one, then Winter Soldier right there. I can just watch them back to back. Uh, you can also, they announce seven ninety nine a month, or you can pay uh, in advance for a year, uh, $70. Uh, so it's a little cheaper. But I would imagine then that way you can lock in the price at least for a year. So that way you at least get 12 months of, you wouldn't be have to worry about them raising the price for a whole year at least. And then yeah. past that, I guess we'll see. But I would yeah, imagine. That's what I did with uh, DC, and it's like a good promo. Like you can pay out for the year, and it's a little cheaper rate. I would imagine uh, they won't raise the price for a while because they need to be gaining users at this point. When they reach a point in which they are competitive to Netflix, then they can maybe start raising the price competitively to Netflix. But right now, they need people to be like, oh, I'm going to get that one instead. It's cheaper. So until yeah, but nothing get- else. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I didn't say nothing else. Disney wouldn't need to necessarily jack the price up for the fact people are still going to go see these MC movies when they come back out on the big screen, you're going to go see those first. People are still going to most likely buy them anyway, because I tell you what, I'll still end up buying a hard copy of the movie. Um, I whoa, mean, they whoa, have whoa, the option wow. to This not... is Disney. You're, they're going to jack up the prices. I know, but I'm, I'm also trying to see, look, I'm actually being an optimist going, they may not be monsters all the time. Well, there's also Sometimes. a thing. Also... Do they want you to get a, a taste of that cookie, and then when they, you start craving it every day? Then they're going to jack up the price and make you pay for that. But that's the thing, though. Like, it's there. There's a certain price people will pay for something streaming that they don't actually own, like that. And at a certain point, then they would just not get it anymore. And I think for Disney, that price is between ten and fifteen dollars a month. But seven's a, seven's a point when you're like, oh yeah, of course, it's it's no brainer. I'm going to get it to watch all the Disney movies, especially if you have kids. Like, might as well get that, and and you can watch everything. And like Alex and I, we have to worry about a. Like day in day one when it comes out on video, instead of going to the store and get it, it's right there on the streaming service. Um, yeah, like that's a good benefit. But at a certain point, though, at a certain point when you're paying like fifteen dollars a month, you might as well go out and buy that movie. So that's what I mean. Like, there's also a point in which people will start dropping off. So they they need to find that sweet spot, especially with competition uh, like Netflix. The Netflix is going to have to start doing more things. It's healthier for us to have a competitor for Netflix right now. Really, nothing else is comparing to it. Yes, the people are like other companies are trying, but Netflix has way more users than all of them. Uh, I believe also they just crossed like I don't know, I forget how many, but they just crossed some bit, some insane number. But that's where Disney is looking to go. They're looking to get all those people, and then when they're there, then they can start calling some shots. And but then also they have to be aware that at any second somebody could just cancel and go back to Netflix if they want to. So, um, but the but the, one last thing for me though is that at least all those MCU tie-in things knowing that they literally tie into the other movies now, it's like, oh, it actually makes me want to get it because I don't want to miss out on something. I don't want to be told, oh, yeah, you guys met Kate Bishop back in this episode or, you know, this bad guy was introduced here. You saw a cameo of such and such a person. That's how we know they're in this world. I don't want to miss out on those things. It's kind of like being the collector in comic books. I'm afraid to miss out on a story. I'd be afraid to miss out on something that I need to know for a movie that I'm going to go see. Yeah, I mean, that was the premise of the Netflix ones, and then they came with that loosely connected rule or whatever. And so this is exciting that we're actually going to get things that happen on our home screen happens, like has correlation with the big screen. So that'll be cool. 
And the thing is, though, the, go ahead, X. Well, sorry. I was going to say, and they actually get in the actors. You know, you're getting Jeremy yeah. Renner, you're getting Paul Bettany, you're getting these people that have already established this character as the reprising again. That's exciting. And the thing for them is, is like, they can do this now also. I know before I said, because they own it all, but also they can expect something to pay this price. And they have these shows and then the movies that come on there, the MCU movies. And that's how they keep them paying month to month is that uh, somebody goes and wants to watch the Falcon. And then, hey, guess what? Now the new Captain America movie's out and it ties in. Oh, I better keep onto that service so when it comes out, I can watch it and, and know what happens next. Instead of having to go out and buy a movie, then catch it on TV, you just pay for that one service and you can keep along with this character, no matter if it's in the show or the movie. To you, there's no difference. You're clicking onto Disney Plus and you're getting on there and watching something. So I do think they'll intertwine more in a way that they want you to watch the shows, like to be like, oh, I got to figure out what happens next. You know, like Falcon and Winter Soldier go and do something and then they'll be like, well, that season is on Disney Plus. That's what that show's about. And now like, okay, well, I want to watch that. So you go and watch it. Um, Especially considering Wanda and Vision and then Loki, those aren't shows that are going to be cheap to produce. And we know already they're throwing money at this to make high quality shows. The Mandalorian uh, Star Wars show that they're making, uh, I think the budget for that is insane. So like, it's not going to be, we're not talking about they're doing these things just to do them. And like Alex said too, looking at the actors, right? So, I mean, I don't think this was part of the original contract. So obviously they signed them to something to do these two. So I don't think they're taking this very lightly. They are taking it very serious, especially up front. I guess we'll see, you know, we can't see down the line if they start raising the price and start making this lower quality shows, but at least for the initiative, uh, 12 months, uh, the initial 12 months, I believe it's going to be a great service. I mean, just at first being the ability to go on there and watch every Disney movie. Like you could literally, if you wanted to get the timeline out and be like, okay, let me watch the first one that ever came out and go all the way to the end and be like, okay, I just watched all the Disney movies in a row and not have to get up for, get up for your seat. I've only got one thing that I want on this service. And that is the 19, what? 97 Spider-Man animated Spider-Man mm, TV that's show. That's a question I was going to ask also now uh, to both of you. So they recently acquired Fox. They said Simpsons is going to be on here. So that's Fox content. So do you think we see, you know, the uh, Fox Marvel stuff on here? And do you think we see that kind of stuff too, Alex? Like the Spider-Man and... I feel I like... I think you'd have to. I don't know. I feel like there's going to be some kind of weird thing with Sony. With the Spider-Man stuff. But everything else, yeah, absolutely. Anything that's Fox related, well, I mean... I don't think Sony owns the uh, cartoon rights. That's all Marvel that owns that. That's why they Disney XD has a Spider-Man show. I don't think back then, I don't think that, I think Marvel just made that show. They hired an animation studio to do it and then they sold it to Fox. But I don't think, I don't think they actually produced that show. I can check here in a second to verify, but I believe that's what happened. But I mean, it's going to be exciting. I mean, at the very least, these shows, we can watch them. These are shows I'm, I mean, I, I am, I do feel bad for mainly Daredevil. Uh, Punisher was good too, but Daredevil mainly, uh, cause that last season was great. Um, and I don't think it has a home here. They did mention that they might have some sort of bundle pricing for Hulu and this together. And if the rumor is true that those shows will, re- will be rebooted on Hulu, then you can have at least now Disney Plus will be the family-friendly content. And then if you want something like Daredevil uh, or any of the kind of Disney content that they don't want in that platform, it would be on Hulu, and you can pay one price for both of them. So um, if that is That'd true... pretty sweet. If that is true and we do get Daredevil back, I mean, it's just a shame I doubt we'll get Charlie Cox back. Because I thought he actually was pretty good. Um, but we'll see. 
but I am excited. I mean, the, none, none, none of the news that came out today makes me be like, oh, I'm not sure. I was like, oh, okay. Well, if all that's true, I'm good. Eight bucks a month, might as well. Like, that's a price you can pay and not feel bad about if you pay eight bucks a month and be like, oh, I don't like this. Okay, well, then it's done. Eight bucks? I buy lunch for eight bucks. Yeah, I mean, that was the whole thing with Netflix. That was their first price was seven ninety nine. so hell yeah. Um, the production company for the Spider-Man show was Marvel Films Animation, so Fox doesn't own it. It's Marvel stuff. So hmm. it could show up in there. I mean, actually, probably well then, actually. Uh, yeah, they rerun. Oh, they do rerun. Oh, no, they don't anymore. Oh, no, they do. And re- ran reruns on Disney XD, so they already showed on Disney, so I bet you anything it'll come back. There you go. That's a good call, Alex. So, Sweet. You know, if the X-Men movies are on there, you can watch all the X-Men movies, you know, uh, figure out where you want to fit them into the MCU, and you make your own timeline. <laughs> um, at the end of the show, I want to talk about something more MCU, but uh, before we get there, you know, this week of Books Boys, uh, I think we're going to have some conflicting uh, opinions about them, but uh, we had a nice little batch, not really anything independent image-wise, but uh, we did have this week uh, Invaders. Uh, number four, Alex? Yes. Uh, this is Butch Geist uh, and uh, Chip Zadarski. And there's one more artist, but I can't think of his name. Um, and I don't have him front of me because it's on my phone. And the phone is being used to record this conversation. Um, so the Invaders number four. I just want to say one thing about this, Alex. I want to know if you agree with me because you, you came on the mic hot tonight saying that you'd read some good books tonight. This Was, was this good for you or not? It had very good moments. This was not the strongest issue for me, though. Man, I really love this issue. I was hoping you're going to be like, hey, this was the only good one. There's, I really you, liked you, it. Oh, you were you, like, you like You like Namor, though. Well, the thing I really liked like, about it, and it's not really about Namor per se, but I like how this story is really turning into like uh, PTSD for somebody who was in World War II and how he's trying to get over it and the family's trying to help him. And once he started digging into his memories to remember World War II, actually made it worse. And now, like, they're still trying to help him, but they feel like he might have been lost because instead of using that as a time to heal, he's in, he's, he held on to the anger that what happened, and that's why he wants to go against the or destroy the humans now in the future story that we're listening. And then we do see a nice twist at the end that uh, the family who he stayed with, their son, is who he's working with to, uh, you know, uh, go against the humans. So. I like the art throughout. Butch Geist is great. I do like Butch. And I think Chip is surprising me on every page that we're getting a book here that uh, doesn't feel like Chip. There's no, like, like he knows. Here's the thing about Chip. Chip, obviously, we know, right? Garrett, uh, not Garrett, uh, Alex, ses- uh, Sex Criminals. He helped write that a little bit. I mean, he worked with Matt Fraction, obviously, and he drew it. Uh, what was the other book he did? Um, he did Spectacular Spider-Man for a while. Yep. Uh, yeah, there was another like comedy book in there too. But for a while, he was like the comedy guy, right? Like people were like, "Oh, yes. he, he makes funny books." And then this book here, a like, I like that he is multifaceted. Guardians in the way Guardians. That's right. Um, in that he's not just like falling back on his comedy throughout this. I don't think there's a joke in this issue at all. Uh, and he actually writes a story that is uh, pretty serious and pretty. Uh, I thought really well thought out about this flashback, but he doesn't rely on like any kind of jokes or one-liners because that's what he's used to. And I don't mean to uh, throw shade this way, but it's kind of like Dan Slott when he would write 
a very serious story back in Amazing Spider-Man, but he needs to throw quips in every once in a while. It's like, hey, we don't actually need that right now. Like, I can take a serious story for a couple of pages. It's like to break the tension. But in this, Chip doesn't feel the need to do that. He realizes this story right here, especially this issue, doesn't need you to break the tension. Like, that's the part of the issue that actually is intriguing is to see where this is going. Is anyone going to be saved or not? Or like, what happened? What's the thing that made him snap? And then we realize it. And uh, now we're setting off to uh, have the invaders minus Namor try to stop Namor. Uh, and now actually we know, you know, where they're at and where his head's at. Yeah. I mean, like I read this and Al, I thought that, that you would really like this too, because your big thing that you've said a lot is, Hey, I can't wait to dive back into the more of these flashbacks. And this issue was literally like 95% flashback. Um, I'm, I'm being a pessimist and I'm hating. I them. guess, man. <laughs> um, it was a little weird seeing uh, Professor X in this book be like, he felt more like Magneto to me in yes. this than Charles Xavier, like saying things like homo superior and like things like that. I was like, who the fuck is this? Like, this is not Professor X, but I mean, maybe when he was starting out. Yeah, I think in know, the last issue they said that that he was back when he first started, he was more like this. Right, like young and naive and things Yeah, and like I, think, I think this, along with a couple other stuff, made him change his mind about how to approach this. But that was interesting to see. And then uh, you get Namor you with his classic look. And uh, yeah, it is kind of, it's a very traumatic story about this guy who constantly gets screwed over by humans and humans are affecting the people that he loves. So I think it's more, he's like a victim of coincidence, but obviously in his mind, he feels like, humans are targeting his happiness and trying to eliminate things around him that tie him to the human world. So, uh, yeah, I'm, the art is super good too. I mean, I, I first thought that scratchy art style would be kind of more, uh, not satisfying, but it actually works out pretty good. And I think there was a scene in here where cap does a salute. um, it was either three or four where he does a salute to Randall. I think it was, I can't remember. His last issue. Last issue. Okay. That was probably one of the most beautiful panels I've ever seen in my entire life. Like that was awesome. Alex, anything? You know, I listen, when I hear you guys talk about this book and have such admiration for it, it makes me go, maybe I was being too much of a stick in the mud for this issue. Cause it was a good issue. There's a lot of stuff that I, I think a part of it, what threw me off is that professor X really did seem like a dick more than normal, where he doesn't seem to be embracing wanting to find these people. And when he says homo superior, it really threw me for a loop. And I was like, God, I, I don't like you. I don't like this, this version, but you're right. If that's what he started out as before he met Magneto and decided, Whoa, I can't be this kind of guy. Okay. I get he's me. I don't know. It just didn't seem like the Xavier I knew. And I think that's, what's leaving the bad taste in my mouth. Cause I liked all the, I liked all the back merit. I like seeing Namor. I like the fact that Roman is Namor backwards. Oh, snap. You're paying attention enough for that. Of course. Oh, Papa's a good detective. I see all these things. I just hate everything. <laughs> uh, I really enjoy this issue. I'm excited to see where this goes. Now, I did see that this is supposed to be like an ongoing, but I don't see past this arc. Like, where does it go? Like, what else would happen? I mean, I feel like this is the main emotional backbone to this whole story is this Namor story. So once they conclude it, what else is going to be? Just invaders doing missions or something? 
Uh, I'm sure they'll throw some kind of plot element in here that'll answer that for us. But I think right now, you know, the big wow factor of the book is what's wrong with Namor and why does he want to kill everybody? <clears throat> it might think, have, go ahead, Alex. Well, I think I want this book to go. I want. I mean, I love this first arc. I like the focus on Namor. I like the fact that he's kind of portrayed as the bad guy, and for the rest of his team to one want to protect the world, but also fix things with them. I want them to become the team that they should be and do missions or start working on the Illuminati again, or just, I don't know. There's I think the fact that I don't know enough about Namor. I haven't really seen anything where he does a good job, not only being a, a, a jerk, but he's also a hero. And that's what I want to see. And then I never get to see a human torch as human torch was back then. So this is a book that has a lot of stuff that interests me. And I want to see if Chip can bring it more than just this first arc. Um, it might also be, I wanted to just uh, go back to the thing I said about an ongoing, it might be, it might be mentioned as an ongoing and then Marvel do its thing where like at issue 11, be like, Oh, the next issue is the last one. Be like, okay. <laughs> like <laughs> I thought you said it was ongoing. Uh, they like to hide that as a mini series until like the last issue. And they actually admitted that one time because of uh, the Garrett actually uh, syndrome where they're like, Oh yeah, people don't get minis. Because they think they think why well, I get a mini, I just wait for the trade, and then people don't buy them, so they hide it until the, like the last couple issues. Right. So, so it might be who knows, but uh, this issue for me at least, uh, I did enjoy. Like Alex said, Namor, love him. I didn't. I didn't realize that. Uh, that I didn't love him enough to name my kid Roman, but uh, I give this a nine. I think. Yeah, I'm sitting at a nine. I it's probably my favorite book of the week. I got to be honest. It, it was really fun to read, and story was compelling. And you know, by the time we got to the end, I'm like, yes, give me more. Can't wait for the next issue. I'm gonna give it an eight. It was good, just not nearly as strong for me as it was for you guys. Alex, what else is on the docket? <clears throat> so we got Catwoman number ten, written by Joelle Jones, art by Fernando Blanco. Uh, that cover, beautifully done by uh, Joel Jones. Inside, looks great. Um, but what a weird issue to get back into from issue nine, which was a flashback of uh, Slint and Kyle doing a mission with this crew that she put together. And now we jump back into what was the main story that we jumped off at at issue eight. Yeah, so for a second I was like and- trying to remember what happened last. And I was like, oh yeah, she did that for him. She got the thing and then... She came outside and realized that he was ambushing her and double-crossing her. So it took a second for me to remember. Um, as you mentioned, the art is fantastic. Uh, while I do enjoy, enjoy and would enjoy probably Joelle doing the art, I understand that she probably can't do everything. Uh, but Fernando is no uh, slouch. Also, good panel work, nice colors, uh, nice work throughout. The story uh, was okay, I think, Alex. Um, uh, it was It was okay. It was actually, it felt more subpar, and I don't know if it just didn't seem as flushed out or the fact that we're still on the first arc, but I really don't feel like we've progressed anywhere, and a lot of it has to do with issue nine was a miss for me. So you get back to where we are right now with Raymond, who is the son of the noseless fake lady who has a zombie kid right now laying on her lap in this limousine. That was one of the scariest panels I've seen in a long time with her son, just drooling purple. Who's you know what I like about this comic though, Alex, uh, even she's been in the background since issue one and we're in issue. What is it now? 10, nine, 10, 
uh, 10. She hasn't really been the main uh, villain at all. I think maybe Catwoman saw her once, um, if I'm remembering correctly. But she's kind of been in the background, and we kind of see her story. It's also the B story in this comic throughout since issue one. Uh, I do like that, though. It feels like it's building her to be a credible villain later, rather than... Uh, comics like to do this a lot of times uh, because... I don't know, because um, you know people switch in and out all the time. They can't really have time to do this. And maybe Gerald Jones gets more room because she's doing uh, Catwoman. I think it's only it's only her book. But uh, building this villain, so that way when she shows up, we're like, oh shit, now the, you know I know what kind of threat this is rather than somebody just showing up like they normally do in comics and say, hey, I'm a big threat. I've been around forever. And be like, hey, I haven't seen you. Like, where you been? Um, but uh, there's this little bit. I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah, I mean, you normally see that on TV shows, right? You see a guy in the background, like a B story. Uh, I mean, thinking back to, uh, if, if, did you watch Punisher season one? No. Okay. Well, there's somebody in the Punisher season one. It's like a B story, and they meet towards the end. But you have the whole series to kind of build them up. But hmm. you really don't see them in comics. In comics, they are usually switches the writer and be like, "Hey, here's a new villain. He's more powerful than you ever met before, but you've never seen him, and here he is." Well, we actually get the opportunity to see this lady's story and then eventually she'll meet Catwoman and we'll have a final bout with these two. But I do like that she's in the background that we're building to it rather than just showing up right away. It's been 10 issues and air to my steer. I'm like, I'm still, there's still that mystery because we're seeing little parts of her life. Like you said, there's creepy parts like that zombie son. And so it's kind of like for her, whenever her stories, I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? And, uh, what? go ahead. Well, and say it, you bring up Punisher, but it's making me think of more of the Kingpin from Daredevil, where uh, oh, yeah, Wilson yeah, yeah. Fisk, you know, he's a bad guy, but the build up to him finally becoming the Kingpin in New York is like, okay, you're a dick, and you you deserve the title of Kingpin because you've done all this work, you've done all these things, all this backstabbing, and you've greased the right fingers. That's what this woman feels like to me. Yeah, so we have these like one-off stories, or not one-off, but this little arc with Penguin. I don't really feel like he's uh, that big of a threat. She like took him down in uh, one shot and ran off. Um, and she she's already done it twice. She beat up his goons that one issue, and that was fantastic. Seven, I think, issue seven. Yes. Um, so I do like it still. It's still good, but it feels like the main part of the story, we're not there yet, like you were saying, because it's in the background. We're building this villain at expense for Catwoman just doing random stuff until we get there. So I don't know. I think I, I, feel, I think. Go ahead. Well, I think what I want is I want I want another little sub arc. I want three issues of her doing something else. And then we can still have that B story of showing what the bad guys are doing. But these last three issues have just been kind of weird. You know, we went from main story to subplot from years ago to now we're back to the main story, showing the B story here and there. I kind of want just a little more focus on an arc with that little B story still building up so that, like you said, when they show up in the end and there's this final bout, uh, it's worth it. But I don't feel like I'm getting enough Catwoman that I want. This Catwoman's still having problems, you know, running away from Bruce. And she's working with this little group of people. They have her sister Holly now, and Holly's not right. And that's part of what this issue was, is, is Selena able to take care of her sister? Well, she's not. Well, I think, yeah, that's why the first arc was so strong, because we had coming off of 50, that story, and then the main villain was the B story in the background. So it felt like we were getting two complete stories. But now it's like, 
The Pigment thing, I don't even know. Like, to be 100% honest, I don't even know what's going on in that Pigment story. I mean, I do probably, if I went back and read it, it's not that complicated. But because of that intrusion of the last flashback episode uh, issue, um, I'm not entirely sure anymore. So, I, But I still remember what's going on with that lady, though. And so that's why, kind of why I feel like that's stronger. I was a nice. Age. I mean, don't. Nice I mean, don't get me wrong. I like this book. I think Catwoman is a great book coming out. It's one of those things that I think, as a character, Joel Jones knows her. I just feel like this issue in itself, I didn't get nearly as much Selena as I wanted. It's kind of like when I read Batman by Tom King. I don't always want the Batman. I want more Bruce. And this just felt. I don't know. I've seen a lot of Catwoman. I wanted to see a little bit more Selena and her as a character grow. Yeah, it's so good. I still like it, but uh, I want to go back to that first arc, uh, Greatness. What did you give it? Uh, I'm going to give it a seven. It was seven? Good. I mean, it was, yep. Seven, there you go. Catwoman number 10, that's Joel Jones and Fernando. What's his last name? Blanco. Blanco. Getty. Get it? What do we have? Yes. Uh, next, we have Winter Soldier number five, written by Kyle Higgins with art by Rod Rice. Um, so, uh, I think I heard that you two weren't fans of this one. Uh, how come? Um, here's the thing. I'm reading this issue, and here's the thing I'm going to say about this issue. I'm going to compare it to another issue we read tonight because I felt like that issue did it better. Uh, this issue here, well, first off, we know in the last issue he killed RJ's dad, uh, or it was an accident that his dad died. Uh, what did he push him and then he hit his head on the stairs or something like that? Uh, he dodged him and he hit his head on a dumpster. Oh, you're yeah. right. He million dollar babied himself. And um <laughs> <laughs> and uh and then he's like right away the first thing he thinks about is like I'm gonna bury his body so that way he arches and look for him. Which first off doesn't seem like a smart thing to do at all. Like how's that not gonna make him look for his dad? He's gonna think his dad just left. But yeah, but somebody's gonna find that body. Like <laughs> and then is he gonna be more mad later? And then he goes, Okay, well let's put him on ice and then we'll tell RJ what happened to make it all well. And then I just thought, so how does that make it better? His dad's still dead, but you're going to be, Hey, I put him on ice for you though. He's in this fucking foot locker over here. Let me show you your dead dad. And we'll bury him like the right way. And it's like, dude, but you just had him next to the, the pork chops in there. Like what the fuck's going on here? Yeah. It feels like this whole time it should have just been like, why don't we just tell the kid? Like we're adults. Why can't we just tell this kid that his dad died? By mistake. I if mean, it, yeah, if it was an I accident, mean, like it, right. it, it just seemed and like Winter uh, Soldier even called it that. He said that to Cher, and he's like, Yeah, it was a complete accident. And like, they're like, Yeah, we know. Like, imagine if, like, if RJ was the cops instead, and he's like, Dude, it was an accident, but I'm not going to let him know because I want him just to move on. I'm going to bury his body and send it. And he's like, Dude, what the fuck are you talking about? Report it. Like, <laughs> it's an accident. Why do you have to hide? Like, just say it's an accident. So that's him kind of little. Like- oh, go ahead, Alex. Sorry. Well, I think I feel like Winter Soldier needs to have his Avengers card taken away because what a shady thing to do. You, you accidentally <laughs> let this I mean. kid's dad die. <laughs> and then you're like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to go hide him in the, the forest. Uh, if the, the wolves dig him up, that's not my problem. And then he's talking to Sharon and Sharon goes, it, oh, my God, Sharon's just as bad now. She's culpable to the fact that she <laughs> you know, you is a, an accessory to not even murder, but. And her Dear. plan is, is like, hey, let's throw him in the foot locker. We'll get tell the kid the, the truth, and then we'll let, we'll bury him right. And it's like, oh, what? Okay. But it, it, you know, even when you think about it, like the whole time, the last issue, I remember we had an issue because I felt like the the father was more of a, a catalyst for a plot too cliche. for into cliche rather than a full character. And then in this, it kind of proves it. Like 
his death really doesn't mean anything. It's just a catalyst for RJ to be upset and kind of fall back into how he used to be. Like, there's no, like, he didn't really have that much attachment to his dad. I know he wanted his dad to like him and he wanted to be accepted, but he didn't really know his dad. So, like, his dad dying like that, it really made me, yeah, it make him upset, but it's really going to turn him into that rage where he beat up Winter Soldier like that? Uh, I mean, they established in issue like three that, you know, some time had passed and that had become routine to hang out with his dad, uh, after several months. So, I mean, maybe at that point when you're dedicating that much time getting to know somebody, I could see it after not knowing your father the entire, your entire life. I, I guess so. But this, this issue specifically two things about this issue that I didn't enjoy. Well, that the logic doesn't make sense. And usually I don't care. Like I can, I can uh, make my uh, suspend my disbelief a little bit, but this was like way too far. I was like, "There's no way, Bucky. The dude used to be in like World War II. The dude's been a spy, and this is what he thinks of." Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I hadn't even thought of that. He is a much more trained assailant than that. He he's a, used to be a fucking assassin. What do you think he's gonna be like? Oh yeah, let's just bury him here. And I'm like, no, like if it was an accident, just report it. Like I don't. Okay. Well, anyways. Um, this feels like all of Kyle Higgins' last issues where it's just like, okay, let's wrap it up. And then it's kind of like over. And you're like, is there more to this? Because when we get to the end and RJ like kills that guy with uh, a machine gun, Uzi or something like that. I don't know what he was shooting him with. Um, he kills him. And then Witcher Soldier goes, okay, yeah, somebody calls him and somebody else needs help. And that's where it ends. And I think it's supposed to be like, okay, he's going to constantly try to help people. And he's he messed up with one, so he's not going to mess up with any more. But it's also like... Okay, well then, what's this to say about RJ? Was he going to come back? Or is there more to the story? Like, what's going on here? I didn't feel like it was a satisfying conclusion. And that's kind of what I feel like. I felt like with this, I felt like, what was that uh, Russian book? What? What was that Russian book that we read by uh, Kyle Higgins? Oh, Cold Hand? Cold Hands. I also felt like it was Dead Hands. Dead Hands. Dead Hands, sorry. It felt like the last issue was rushed to, for a conclusion. That was um, close. I don't know. It's just a kind of like this thing. It's like quit writing, writing minis. If you need to write 12 issues, write 12 issues. I don't understand why you got to make five or six and like rush the end like that. Well, it's also weird that like, so I, the one thing I was surprised about is, you know, the preview for this book at the end of the last issue was that Bucky and RJ were going to have this huge fight, you know? And I was surprised I could feel the conflict getting closer to the end and they had still not fought yet. And they literally rushed their conflict to like two pages. I mean, you just punched him a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. And then he's just like, just leave me alone. <laughs> and he, yeah, fuck, he's I'm like, I'm going to run okay. away. Leave me alone. Okay. I guess I'll do that. Well, I kicked on the stairs. That's fair. Funny. I watched your dad hit himself <laughs> in the head. He so. did, uh, he did, uh, 300 him though down the stairs. And, uh, that was pretty cool. But, um, Rod Rice's art's great, but that's Rod Rice. Like, Rod Rice, I don't think I've ever seen any of his art. I'm like, oh, that's not good. Um, so that was fantastic. The one thing also, the theme of this is supposed to be kind of like Bucky sees what's happening with RJ and kind of remembers himself. He has a little bit of PTSD from that time and remembers like he killed that scientist trying to help him and, and Sharon's trying to help him being like, yeah, look, it's not your fault though. And we, so you can tell they want to bring up this theme and that's kind of what the book is kind of trying to be about. He's trying to right his wrongs because he went through this and doesn't want somebody else to suffer the way he is anymore. But I just felt like it was too apparent and too exploitative in a way. Like it felt like he like, oh, this guy has PTSD. We're invaders. Invaders felt like, to me at least, Namor, like they did it in a more subtle way. And it feels like it's actually real where this feels like, okay, here's the point of this. You're supposed to feel bad. He's trying to save it. Like it literally is a copy of him. 
and be like, hey, this was an allegory. Like he's trying to make it so this kid doesn't go through the same thing he does because he's, you know, he's damaged because of this now. It's like, yeah, yeah. I, I get what you're trying to say, but also it goes back to that thing. It doesn't seem real. Like the, it just seems like you're just trying to put a plot point out there. Well, I think the thing that makes me sad is that, so the first three issues were amazing and I was hoping, okay, the weakness was four. I thought five would fix it, but in all honesty, what I wanted from this book as a whole was I just wanted to see winter soldier go issue to issue and help people out, help get them out of these situations. Like he does in issue one where he helps get that cop who was crooked was, you know, corrupted and helps get him out of that situation. That's what I thought this whole run was to help other people, not just specifically RJ, but to show people there's other things that you can do with your life than to be corrupted or do these bad things. And instead we get stuck with this, like this to me overall is a D and unfortunately this book did not get a good ending, which is all I'm going to remember from this run. Yeah. I mean, if you think about the message and then what actually happened in the story, you know, like from what you were saying, yeah, this is about him helping people, but then it's basically like this whole storyline with RJ was three and a half issues of tangent. And then it's like, yeah, Bucky helps people like that's, is that the message? Like, I don't get it. By making sure they do become winter soldiers. It'd be funny. It'd be like if he got into an accident, accidentally killed the next person in a car. He'd be like, Oh fuck. I better bury this body. I don't want people to be upset. That this person died. It's like, report the accident, Bucky. What the fuck's <laughs> going on here? <laughs> I just don't know why, he, just, why he jumped to that. And then Sharon comes along, but let's put him in a fucking freezer and we'll bury his body <laughs> later. Like, what? Okay. What? Search Which is me. weird when we read two books this week that have Winter Soldier and they're completely different characters. Plus, if somebody like went head first into a, a dumpster, wouldn't I call the ambulance just to make sure, you know, like, the guy's not just knocked out? Like, he just assumes. I mean, obviously, Bucky's been in war. We think that he can tell somebody's dead, but don't you just call it just in case? Call it in? It's not a doctor. <laughs> we don't know that after RJ or after Richie hit his head, who's not to say that uh, old time Winter Soldier came back? He's like, I guess I got to finish Dude, this. He did kill him. That would be a good fucking ending. <laughs> if he picked him up, he goes, oh, dude, I think he's dead. And he picks him up too much force and snaps his neck and goes, oh, snaps his neck. oh okay. Uh, I think <laughs> now no, he is. It's like college humor night. He just went to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> or he's burying him and he wakes up and he turns around to talk to Sharon and the shovel hits him in the face and kills him. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> he's still alive. <laughs> Let's put him in the freezer, Bucky. I got some, you know, creamsicles in there and we can uh, talk about this over some creamsicles. Um, this was like a five for me, which was crazy because the beginning, we loved this book. Uh, yeah. and I actually, until the last issue, it kind of soured, but it feels like that's what, and it's, it changed me to say, cause Cal was so strong and Hadrian's wall was like, it was good, but also again, the ending kind of didn't land it for me. And then we, as we go on, like these books are great starts, but where's the ends? Like, I don't understand why I, and I, I gotta go back to him boxing himself into that five to six issue thing. Like make it a couple more issues and work it out. Well, Marvin, if you remember with Cal though, they had planned to do a, a mega shit ton of issues, but they weren't getting enough sales. They just kind of stopped working on it. So technically he was only halfway through his story. So we would never tell if, if that actually was going to end super greatly. That's what I'm saying. That's a better conclusion. And we didn't actually get one. So, I mean, yeah. uh, maybe that's what he is. You know, maybe he has a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, 
he's a little fearful about that now because he didn't get the, he did plan something out long term and didn't work out. So now he fears going past six issues, and so he always only does now six issues. You know. Yeah, but it always but it feels like he pulls his punches at the end. He has this great story to tell you at the beginning. The first half is always spectacular. Then he gets to that downward slope and it's like why am i getting less story than i should be why aren't you keeping the suspense well that's what it is like the first couple issues expand on character and then it's just plot 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 here's the end and it's like okay what like and now it feels like their caricatures just going through the abc plus uh abcd plots to get to the end just so you can be like here's a story like no like what was the beginning is how we do it well, that goes, and that just makes it even worse when you see him do that, and then you don't see his next project for months. Uh, yeah, I don't know what he's doing next, but I mean, the first couple issues went all be great. So, uh, did I say mention already five? Five? I give this a five. I'm gonna uh, give it a four. I'm gonna go with a six only because of Rod Rice's art, and I didn't like find the story unbearably like pointless. Again, the plot was just it was just very plot heavy and. I mean, there's no character development at all. So, I mean, yes, the storyline of RJ and Bucky ended, but it doesn't mean that it resolved. It literally just ended. So, six. There we go. Batman number 68, right, Alex? Garrett? Yes. 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 This is Tom King, Amanda Connor on this uh, another step into the nightmare world. Uh, I think it's part six of part nightmares. Part six of nightmares. This is an issue where Catwoman, Batman is having his bachelor dinner, and Catwoman is having her bachelorette party. And um, it turns out uh, she's just having it with Lois Lane, and he's just having it with Clark Kent, kind of uh, hinting back to that issue we had where they went to the uh, amusement park together. That's the only friends that they have. Um so this issue was kind of another one shot in this nightmare world. What do we think, uh, Garrett? Let's go right to you. Since the beginning, uh, I believe shots were fired. Uh, what were you? Yeah, thinking? yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I mean, we're retreading ground now, even though it is a dream. Um, I mean, at this point in the story, I don't see how the boring version of his bachelor party versus a second issue dedicated to Catwoman's bachelorette party uh really i don't know it doesn't do anything for me and like i'm sick of having these issues where it's a lot of wow factor and then you get the last panel is oh he's having a dream like okay what else like that that's all that's happening was just seeing a bunch of bullshit that ends in one panel of batman like screaming like ah He's just like hanging upside down, having a dream, having a bad nightmare. I don't know. Um, The one thing that I did like about this issue is because it makes me think of the previous issues. Like, I think we're supposed to think about how Bruce and Selena's like bachelor and bachelorette party actually happened when they told that story already. And I, I don't know. And then there was some weird shit with like Lois and Selena, uh, Basically, going to their version of a strip club, which happens to be ro- Superman robots at the Fortress of Solitude. Like, that whole bit, hated it. You don't like that? Sexy Superman? No, stupid. Three of them stripping? Stupid. <laughs> Robodong. Garrett, stupid. don't lie. That is your dream every night, too. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alex, what do you think? Um, 
I think, unfortunately, I not unfortunately do I agree with Garrett, but I just this this run of nightmares is getting longer and longer and longer, and I care less and less and less. There's still two issues left. I'll admit, sixty-seven was an amazing issue. Uh, What a great looking book! But when I read this book of sixty-eight, I just go, "What the hell am I reading? Who gives two flying crabs? And what what am I building up to?" One, I don't need to be reminded that Bruce is in a chair or hung upside down or whatever by the scarecrow. Where is this book going? And where is these guiding lights that he keeps having? Because Clark isn't telling him anything that's important. Clark doesn't even seem like Clark. I mean, none of these characters seem like themselves, and maybe that's what the nightmare is. Is that, oh my gosh, I'm all by myself. I'm ready to be done with this arc, or I'm ready for this whole big spiel that we're being shown to finally make sense and to add up to something. Um, Alex, what did you say a second ago? Who is this for? Who gives a shit? What? Uh, I didn't think this issue was that bad. Um, the yes, I agree. Like, I don't understand why we're still in this nightmare world. I don't remember how this nightmare world started. Did we figure that out? Or are we just, why do we? No. Okay. So we just were in an issue. Where we're like, oh, this is a nightmare. It was that scarecrow first issue, right? Right. Okay. It's there's literally no indicator that he even entered a nightmare. We just see scenes of him being tortured at the end of each issue. I mean, it does. Isn't the Professor Pig one. That's a nightmare. Yeah, but is that the start of this? I think it was the scarecrow. Uh, scarecrow first, one. And then it's is Professor the start Pig. Of this. Scarecrow one? Why don't I remember the Scarecrow one? There because was, it was two months before the price crossover. Yeah, they did that oh, one. I see. And I, I, that's unfortunate that they have that price crossover in between this because it makes this thing feel like it's lasting longer than it actually is because we're two, oh, a whole month actually uh, prolonged on this uh, storyline. I like Amanda Connors' art a lot, um, but I think that's a, a personal choice. Uh, I did think the story was fun. Uh, I did like the issue by itself, but with like... I mean, I'll agree with you guys on one point. Like, uh, we can move on at this point. <laughs> but I mean, like, I don't even remember exactly what's going on with the main story uh, prior to that scarecrow issue. Like, I can't. If you give me a million dollars, I wouldn't be able to tell you. Well, uh, so that's the thing. You're not missing anything because nothing's happened. No, I mean, all these nightmares don't do shit. Pre nightmare, where were we? What was happening? Bruce was sad because Selena left him. And then he beat up Mr. Freeze real bad, and that was all that's happened. I thought we had something before that. I mean, right wasn't there wasn't there the the boy that thinks he's Bruce or wants to be Batman or wants to be Bruce? It's like six fifty nine or sixty one or sixty. Or something. Yeah, which is also a it was a night that was a nightmares one shot, okay. and that has no resolution either. This is all just a jumbled mess, and like Tom King was killing it before this arc. But this is like all time low, I think, and I am. It's just bad. Hang, hang on, dumb question: Is the Scarecrow issue is that Batman Annual Three? Uh, I don't know. Okay, because I haven't read that, so maybe that's why I'm confused. Uh, it might be actually. Let me look here quick on my list. Um, I did, but I mean, you guys aren't wrong, and I'm not saying that uh, you guys are having valid concerns because I actually do too. I'm like, okay, I want to get back to the main story. But I also did like this issue for what it is. It's a one-shot. Um, it was not really anything that we needed to see, like Garrett was saying. Uh, it wasn't like, oh, that's what's happening. Like I was like, okay, it's your bachelor party. It was fun. But what else? Like, 
But also, I don't get. Here's what I don't get about this. Also, uh, Supergirl shows up to let them in. Uh, Supergirl's not invited. There's letters. Yeah. she's got to work that night while Clark is out having a good old time. She gets a call for to go handle an asteroid or whatever, which shouldn't take her very long. Um, yeah. let's see here, Alex, to answer your question, I'm looking at all the issues here. Oh, that's not the issue. That's collected issues. Um, let's go to the issue 68. The Scarecrow one was issue. Mm, let's see here. 61. Oh, really? Okay. Nightmares number one. Oh, no, that's who, what happens to the boy who wants to be Bruce Wayne. That's what that was. Um, issue... Okay, 62 was, um, what's-his-face? Was Professor Pig. Oh, here's the annual. Is this, uh... No, that was about Alfred, the annual. Okay. So it must have been 60, then. Yeah, I don't know. I've never seen Scarecrow, though, in one issue. I think 60 was the start of it. Um, and the boy one was part two. And then we had the two-issue crossover, which took us up at, uh... 64 and now 65 on has been nightmares. No, you know, I just realized I don't know how this happened. Uh, issue 60, 61, 62. I never got those issues. <laughs> I read the rest of them though. That's weird because like I got 61, or excuse me, I got the annual and then I read 63 on, but I didn't read those. All right, okay, well, that's cool. I guess I got that to look forward to. So let me go back and maybe that's why it's so confusing to me where we were before this nightmare thing because I didn't read it. Um, but I am I'm willing. I mean, this thing is supposed to be 100 plus issues, maybe 110. I think now that they pushed it because of, and I think maybe it's because of these issues. I don't think this is part of the main story. This might this feels like, you know, he's working on Heroes in Crisis, so we need some sort of way to write a little one shot stories. Well. I mean, I'm not going to spoil anything, but there's an event coming this summer. That's the only thing I'll tell you. That's probably why we got this much filler going on. The Batman? Mm. Batman event? Yeah. Yep. Tom King event? Yep. What do you mean don't spoil? Where did you see that at? Do you want me to tell you? Where did you see it at? What do you mean don't spoil? Well, DC just announced it. It's part of the Year of the Villain storyline. What is it? Okay. DC announced it. That's not spoilers. DC announced it. Shit. Let's go. Okay. So, uh... (laughs) Uh, I think the event is called like City of Bane or something like that. It's basically Bane takes over Gotham City again and Batman's trying to defeat him. Ah, Dark Knight Rises, huh? Yeah, so <laughs> it's like I don't fucking know. And then they got that, the Justice League event, and then they have the Superman Leviathan event. Alright, well, I mean, this issue was, for what it is, it's fine, but within the context of uh, the whole series. It definitely is not a high point, but definitely I don't feel like it's a super low point. Um, so I give it a nice, uh, you know, it really touches that eight, but I think it's mostly the art and it's just fun. But it, once again, like if somebody gave me the choice, like if they were like, oh, this is just a side issue. Like if this was not tied into the main story and just was a side thing, I probably would skip it. But I mean, I don't feel bad because I, I do enjoy Tom King's writing. And that might be a little biased of me, but I do the way, I like the way that he does write. And so that for me was a, was fun to read. But but that's why I feel like I'm not getting Tom King. Tom King can usually Believe leave me. a great message in each Believe issue. Believe me. And I just feel like 
if we were three months, if we weren't getting Heroes in Crisis, I would probably be more angry. But I'm getting my Tom King serious fix over there right now. So. Yeah, uh, I give this a five. I'm not satisfied. Uh, this is like if you saw like a graph, this would be a low dive right now. Alex, I I would agree with you. Good. This is a five. I had there's nothing in this that interested me. There's this doesn't feel like Tom King. Because like you said, usually there's a nice little bow that reminds me of that, okay, there's there's a lot of thought going into this. This just felt like a big filler of an arc that I don't care about. I did feel like it maybe because uh, they're within Batman's mind and this is how he sees Clark. Clark was a little uh, stuck up and a little too proper. And I was like, oh, that must be see how Bruce sees him, though. Like, he was like, do you need any help with how to deal with a marriage? And he's like, oh, like, he's like dude, like, have more confidence in yourself, Clark. You're Superman, man. Uh, but I did like the line. The line I do love, and I think it actually is probably the best part of this issue, is when he's like, uh, I don't like being, I like being Superman, but I don't like having to be Superman. And he said, but you don't like being Batman, but you like having to be Batman. And I thought that was a great line and a great examination of those two characters. Um, being like Superman likes to help people, but he doesn't have to. He doesn't like the fact that he has to save all these people. Like, but he's living in a world that's peaceful. And then Batman uh, doesn't like to uh, go out in the bat suit. He'd rather have had his parents survive, but he does love being able to go out there and punch people in the face. So, <laughs> well, we all. Uh, I got one. I got one weird question. Yeah. So, in when Bruce and Clark get the signal to go to the Fortress of Solitude. How did Bruce beat him there? Obviously, uh, Superman picked up the ship and flew him there. I mean, he didn't use any jet fuel. You know, the man is expensive jet fuel. So he's like, Clark, well, fly me there. It's, it's also his dream. So, And he's very competitive. So why would he lose to Superman when he could be faster? That's true. Okay. Sometimes in dreams, you just show up somewhere. And you're like, I don't even know how I got here. So, so that, that right there is the nightmare in itself. <laughs> Actually, usually in dreams, when I try to drive something like that, uh, it doesn't work. So uh, I don't think I've ever driven a car in my dreams. So that might just be me, though. Probably. You guys ever driven a car? <laughs> Every day. Let me ask you a question. In your dreams, can you dial the phone? Can you die on the phone? Dial. Dial. Oh. Every time I try to do it in a dream, like it messes up and I dial the wrong number, I have to do it again and again and again. And I never actually dial anybody. Dude, maybe you're in the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how else do we get? We got Detective Comics number 1001, written by Peter J. Tomasi, art by Brad Walker. Uh, this is my pick of the week, at least for the books that we got for the show. Um, I forgot what where we were at to begin with. Um, um, Arkham Knight, dude. I know, I know, but I was thinking... Jim Gordon, the first. So Arkham Knight's talking to his homies, all of his henchmen. We're going to go uh, beat the bat. Of course, everyone's going to say that at the beginning of the book. But Jim Gordon is at the uh, GC Park. He's like, oh my gosh, look at all these dead bats. Guess who he calls? He calls the bat himself and goes, hey, I got a lot of dead bats. And he goes, do you want me to keep some of these for you? Of course, Bruce wants to dissect them and look at them. Because guess what? Bruce has got a whole shitload of dead bats in the cave. Um, Right there, it reminded me of Swamp Thing number one, where all the birds are falling out of the sky. And it made me sad. The question I have, Alex, he's supposed to be the world's greatest detective. 
within seconds of those brats dying, I'm like, okay, there's probably some sort of sound they can hear that nobody else can hear that's killing them. And then he takes it forever to figure it out. He's going to dissect them and shit. And he's like, look at the, they, they're probably hearing shit. Well, he's trying to make sure it's not just a vibration. Maybe it's a fluid or something like that that got in their system that caused them to do this. But when he goes to find Francine uh, Langstrom, she, when she turns into a she-bat, her ears are bleeding. The bats didn't have bleeding ears when they died, at least from what I could tell from the, the, the panel work. But she can't seem to stop her ears from bleeding as she flies to the bat exhibit at the zoo. Well, if you think about it, bats are a lot smaller, so they die instantly. Whereas Francine's a grown woman, so she's not susceptible to death yet, but still she's going through immense pain because of the ear-splitting noise. I suppose you're right. But it's also like humans can't hear that high of a frequency, so he has to investigate why these bats are dying without actually knowing the cause. But I would assume the world's greatest detective would have seen blood coming out of their ears. I mean, I realize they would have died instantaneously, but it still would have been the same effect that it has on Francine. It's just taking a longer time for it to kill her. That they still, yeah. their eardrums would have burst or whatever is happening to them. Well, exactly. We don't know bad anatomy, so who knows? Did I not just tell you bad anatomy? <laughs> Do bats have eardrums? I don't know. Yeah, that's why when they open their mouth, their ear, their ears close. So that they don't deafen themselves as it goes through their vocal cords back out. And then they close oh, their mouth and that's shit. when they pick it up. Oh, you're, fuck, arguing, you're arguing with the Animal Kingdom expert Alex over here. He's craving a hunter himself. Um, actually, the Brad Walker art I really do enjoy. He did uh, an arc on Aquaman towards the beginning of that run. I did enjoy that. And this tier two, I do like it. It's kind of like a roundish, cartoonish feel. Almost like the uh, animated series. Uh, not quite. It's a little more round and bulkier, but uh, I did enjoy that, especially the scene when they are dissecting, Batman is dissecting the bat. Uh, Something about that I did enjoy. Maybe the wide uh, panel work for that. Um, And just seeing Batman be detective, like trying to figure out this uh, thing that's going on, even if, like I said, uh, he was, like Gary said, he's testing all conclusions. Got to figure out, got to deduct and figure out what's not happening to figure out what is happening. Um, well, wasn't that refreshing, though, to finally read a detective, a detective book that's about detecting? Which, actually, I would say even at the beginning of Tomasi's run in 994, he has been doing that, which is just really refreshing because if I'm getting a book called Detective Comics, I want to read about a detective. What do you guys think as uh, two people who know about the Arkham Knight, what do you think about that Arkham Knight uh, intro? What a change of a character. I mean, which is fine. So what you got in Arkham Knight, the video game, uh, he is obviously a character that we've already established and have been assuming who it was throughout this whole game. I don't know who to expect for this. And he's actually living up to the Arkham Knight. He actually has a sword. He has a shield. Uh, His henchmen are quote-unquote knights. Uh, I actually really enjoyed it. It seemed... um, not necessarily on the nose. I liked. I'd, I liked that all the villains always have, you know, this thing that they do, this quirk that they have. Excuse me. But I wasn't expecting to run into Arkham Knight this first issue and go up against Batman. 
Yeah, with the video games, it's so much like that Arkham Knight is so much driven by revenge, whereas this Arkham Knight is driven not necessarily by revenge, but more by thinking that Batman's not doing the job right. So in that way, he is... See, I don't want to spoil the Arkham games. People already know by now who it is, but... I would assume so. Yeah. Um, It's not going to be... Jason? Yeah, okay. It's not Jason Todd. Uh, you know, with Jason Todd, he becomes like an anti-hero when he becomes Red Hood. He's willing to kill to get accomplish things. Um, and so this Arkham Knight is very much like that, but he thinks he can do it better than Batman, even with his flawed code. Um, he already has an army, basically, ready to um, attack Batman. And the really cool bit is, like, the he forges metal for the these knights and like the metals really thick and doesn't have any openings. So Batman can't hurt them, but they are, but they can hurt Batman real bad. And that was kind of cool. How he was analyzing that in his thoughts. Like that's what I was going to say. I can't really fuck them up, but he they can fuck me up pretty bad. Uh, this Arkham Knight, what I did enjoy about him, you know, the bad thing was to get Bruce's attention. It's kind of almost like a calling card. Be like, I'm going to kill every other bat in the city and only one bat left to kill. And then uh, he uses those arrows, which Bruce was like, these arrows actually penetrate my armor, and they cut his cord. He goes, uh, cut his, uh, what do you call that, Alex? Or his grabbing no gun cord. Yeah, and he's like, there's no way that should have done that, but let me go. i, I got to fight these guys. I can't think about that. And the guys, like uh, Garrett was saying, they have armor that he can't pierce. And then at the very end, he shoots up a thing and makes it not night, I mean, not day, any, excuse me, not night anymore. He makes it day. And that way, Bruce is kind of out of his element because usually Batman, you don't see it during the day. And he uh, takes him down at the end of the book. We have him underneath his boot, uh, boot. And you can tell that whoever this is, no matter who it is, he obviously knows a lot about Batman and Batman's armor and Batman, how Batman operates to know how to use things against them so Batman is not in his element and uh, take him out of that a little bit. I'm really glad that by the end of this issue, like they're already having a conflict instead of like, you know, what's happening with Bane and Batman and Batman, like it's going to be forever before they actually meet up. So that's really cool that right out the get go, they're already confronting one another. Uh, obviously, it's not going to be the final conf- confrontation, the next issue, but it sets up some really fun storylines. It almost feels like he'd have to be something I don't mean to speculate, but for the fact that specifically he is attacking shadow based things where usually Batman hides in the shadows, does all the stealth things. It almost feels like it has to be a league of the shadows, bad guy somewhere that Bruce has fought with before who would know that that's a weakness or that's something to exploit from him. What if it is? Uh, and I think Alex, did you ever finish about Batman incorporated? No. Uh, at the end, spoilers, um, Merrill's uh, demon clones, uh, Garrett, what if one of them grew up? Could be. I mean, that'd be probably be reaching for new audiences, but hey, it'd still be be something they wouldn't suspect. I mean, it'd be Batman's son, and that's why he wants to take him down. I don't know. But that made me think about that when Alex was like, it might be the League of Shadows, because he would have grown up with, you know, uh, Roz and uh, Talia as his, uh, you know, parents. Not parents, but, you know, people he looked up to. Well, I guess his mom. Um, Well, it would make sense when they would get the the ability to kill all these bats is weren't there aren't the henchmen all bat related things or bat serum dudes uh they were so enhanced in some way 
but we'll see. I am actually, I am glad I picked this up for for uh, kind of what Garrett was saying. In Batman, we kind of get the Tom King where we see Bruce Wayne kind of examine that psyche. We kind of get that long-term storytelling that Tom King kind of planned out over 100 issues. But in this, it's the other aspect of Batman that I enjoy is the guy you know who has all these sweet gadgets, who does detective work, and likes to like be the Batman. Like in this one, there's no qualms about it. He's like, okay, I'm the Batman. Like, let me be the best Batman. And it's kind of like an action uh, detective story, and it's not really super heavy. And I actually do enjoy like getting both sides of Batman. So I did enjoy it, actually. I'm surprised. I'm going to keep getting it. Uh, this is a solid nine. I love this issue. Yeah, I would agree. Nine. Uh, really enjoyed it. And then this is going to be a fun next thousand issues of Batman. Yeah, I'll give it that too. Nines across the board. Uh, this one is on par. Me, this one and Invaders for me fight it out for <clears throat> my picks of the week. But they're both kind of different. So like it, you could ask me tomorrow and it could be this. It could be Invaders. Who knows? But uh, fantastic work. Detective Comics 1001. Oh, Gary, do you have one more? What was that? Well, what's the we next issue? One more book. We have one more book. Yep. I was about yep. to wrap one up, more. but I forgot. Yep, we have Justice League number eight, written by Dan Abnett, with art by I'm trying to read his name, Daniel Sampier. I just uh, want to clarify Justice League Odyssey. Did I say what did I say? You just said Justice League. Oh, you have Justice League Odyssey. Um, um Yeah. Alright, so Marvin, you don't get this. Uh, I jumped off when Dan came on board, but as uh, Alex said on the forecast, he said, actually, it's pretty good. He enjoyed the last couple of issues, so maybe I'll get back on it. Let me know how it is. Yeah, I mean, I just read the last three issues in a row, and I actually really love it. Um, you know, Dan Abnett is one of my favorite writers. Um, he does know how to tell a really compelling story. Um, what I'm really impressed by is Dark Side. In the last couple issues, especially this one, um, Darkseid is just such a great villain, and he is trying so hard to get these heroes to be on his side that you almost get convinced yourself that his cause is just. And you're like, but it's Darkseid. You can't trust Darkseid. But he's just constantly, he has this like silver tongue where he's like, no, you need to help me else everyone will die. And he has some of the team falling for it. Uh, I love the monologues from Darkseid on this issue. When I see this Darkseid, this young, more, I'm going to say confident, and that's probably not the right word. But this Darkseid that isn't, what? Manipulative? Yeah, man, yeah, manipulative. I would agree. He, he knows how to use that tongue. He knows how to talk to these characters, it makes me think of Thanos, Josh Brolin's Thanos from the MCU, where with the things that Darkseid wants to do, it's like, yeah, it's a, it's a horrible thing that you want, and yet you think you're doing it for the right reasons, and in all honesty, you probably are. You're trying to save worlds and lives, and if there isn't a, a world to own or a, a someone else to overtake, you have no, mes- no reason for living. Um, he's kind of, This is a scary Darkseid. And it's impressive that Cyborg, who knows best, still is like, I don't think we can trust him. And then you've got Starfire, who goes, yeah, we can't trust him, but we need to trust him as of right now. He's the only option we have. Yeah, I mean, Starfire has been also dealing with a lot. Uh, she comes at two issues ago upon the 
rotting city of Tamarin. Um, and her sister comes upon her literally just arriving there and is like, look what you've done by not protecting your homeland. Um, you are uh, as much to blame as the people who actually took out Tamarin. Um, so there's like a civil war between, uh, Coriander and, uh, her sister's name's Commander, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, but actually what we find out is that Commander is kind of in cahoots with, uh, Darkseid. So this whole plot to get Starfire over the edge and to do something that will help Darkseid set up this, uh, Oh, what's it called? Sacroput. Yeah, it's basically Uh, he's creating a new apocalypse. Yep. He's creating a new apocalypse that he can go back to doing the same old thing he used to. um, And how that saves the world. It really doesn't, but he's really convincing to uh, Cyborg, Starfire, Green Lantern, and uh, Asriel that this needs to happen. Otherwise this big blue energy god, Ekron, um, will rule the world. So that kind of big epic thing where someone's like trying to control the universe, that part of it's kind of like, kind of wish there was a bigger threat than that as a villain. Um, but he is scary because like literally at the end of the last issue, he almost kills Darkseid. And that's yeah. pretty haunting to see. This, I'll, I'll admit, the, the first two issues prior to this, I felt were better. This one was good. Um, but I almost had the, the the thought process going, do I care enough to continue to get this? I'm, mm. I'm on the fence. It has good moments, but I'm almost tired of spinning our wheels doing the same stuff again. Well, is it really the same it. stuff, though? I mean, well, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to that where it's like, yeah, maybe I haven't seen these type of things before, but the last three issues, all of it, all I've heard from Jessica is complaining that I'm almost out of power. I can't get my power. Okay. It's like, you guys need to prioritize to get, you want to find out what dark side knows, but before you go pissing somebody off, maybe you should go leave the ghost sector for a moment and recharge your damn ring. Dude, I would keep getting it just because all the stuff with dark side is so compelling and like new unlike anything you've seen from dark side. I, I think it's worth it for that alone. It's also kind of cool to see like cyborg really step up being a leader of this team. Uh, Azrael's not so much a douche nozzle. You know, the only one I find that's giving like zero character development, even though her home planet just kind of got decimated is starfire. Like I think she's just kind of the big gun right now. And that's unfortunate because she does have so much personality and character that uh, should really be worked on. But hey, maybe that's coming. I'd assume I assume that's got to be on its way, and I'd hope that's something we get after we're done with this first big big arc is that we start building these characters up again, letting us get to know them, at least get to know them as the rebirth style. Because, like you said, Cyborg finally has a a good station of he is the team leader and he isn't just the technological version uh starfire isn't all over sexualized they actually have her be a strong character and she is a very very big gun for this team uh jessica cruz what a i I haven't read enough about her 
But once they finally get her damn ring charged up, I'm sure I won't have a problem with her. <laughs> I would give this issue an eight. I I'm liked it. I liked reading it the last two issues. And I'm definitely on for the next one. That's really cool dark side issue. I think I'm going to give it a seven. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't horrible. Um, I did feel the the monologues by Darkseid, even though they did build up what he wants to do, seemed a little, they drew on for too long for me. And I get that's the bad guy motto. I got to talk, 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 talk to, to make you want to do something. There we go. Invaders number four, Catwoman number 10, Winter Soldier number five, Batman number 68, Detective Comics 1001, and J-Lo number eight, as Alex calls it. Of course. Um, it was a comics that came out this week. Make sure you pick them up. Where are you picking up your comics? Like I said in the past, wherever you want to pick them up is fine with me. I am not your keeper. Uh, for the finale, uh, the finale uh, feature of the show, uh, we are going to do a little CBA. If you're new to the show or forgot what CBA is, that's Comic Book Association. I throw out a couple of topics. We talk briefly about it, kind of uh, get our thoughts on it, and we move on to the next one. Very uh, quick shot topics. Uh, stuff that can't couldn't fill a full feature, but hey, all of them combined can fill up a feature. So here we go. Here we go. Uh, first thing on the board here, uh, I kind of want to see, um, this is the thing that's a big question mark. Yes, we do know some things about it, but what do you think? Let's start with Alex over here. Post Endgame, uh, what would you like to see from Phase 4 of the MCU? <sighs> I, I think my hope, my biggest hope for end, end game is the opportunity to see the mutants X-Men get brought into the MCU. And let's face it, I think we all want to see the Fantastic Four get reintroduced and have a movie well put together. Um, I think that's my only thing I really want to see because I don't know what to expect. And I'm one of those people that even on earlier in the show when we we're talking about things that are coming out after Endgame, I'm like, oh man, not that it's necessarily a spoiler because maybe those things are preludes to what we're getting. But it's like, I just want, I want, I want this movie to not be, it's already huge in my head. I don't want to spoil anything for me to know past it. Much like I know Spider-Man's coming out after it. Um, does this go to both of us? Or yeah, just go ahead, Garrett. Okay. Um, so with the whole Fox thing, you know, Kevin Fahey uh, actually said they have a five-year plan for that to kind of start incorporating them in. So I know they won't be right away, but again, has anything that guy said ever been true? I mean, he's trying to throw you <laughs> off left and right, so who knows? Dude, they film stuff for the trailer, so it's not even in the movie. So Right, exactly. Yeah. Take it with a grain of salt. Um, I'm actually I'm just excited to post Endgame to see... Um, you know, we're obviously going to get a lot of new heroes coming into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I also, you know, I want to know who the overarching or what the overarching evil is going to be next. Because, you know, for Thanos to be the overarching villain for almost 22 movies, I mean, that's a compelling villain. So, I mean, to try and I mean, I don't think they're going to do things exactly the same as they did this Infinity Saga. But I think that you need a villain or a group of villains or some kind of faction that is so huge that it's going to take a lot of time and uh, effort to get through that story and do it justice. So I'm excited for that. And, you know, I think uh, I feel like everything we've seen from Spider-Man Far From Home. 
like almost 75% of it's all sham. You think so? I think so. I mean, you know, why? Yes, they want to show a trailer to show interest in the movie. And I think they'll keep some things, but I feel like some other things is all bantha fodder just to be like, hey, yeah, there's like maybe the more big picture things like seeing Nick Fury in the trailer or um, I don't know about happy, but there's just like small things like that where I think there's going to be it's also throwing us off. What if Mysterio's really not in it? It's all an illusion. Hey, man. I never thought that uh, Brad Pitt would be in a superhero movie, but he was in Deadpool, so. And he died. Deadpool, yeah. too? Yeah. Yeah, horrible death. Um, I kind of want to see, I mean, obviously, uh, Fantastic Four is my ultimate uh, joy, uh, joy and a but wish to see on the screen, uh, Doctor Doom. Uh, but that would be more of a Fantastic Four movie by itself. But I am excited to see, at least for a little bit, like Garrett's just talking about the next big villain. I'm excited to see some movies go back to individual movies for a little bit. You know, we can see a Thor movie, you see a Captain America movie, depending on who he is at that point. Is it Falcon or is it going to be Bucky? But at least seeing a little more self-contained movies before we get back into the whole Avengers thing again. So um, I do feel like the next uh, phase is going to be more... Uh, fun in a way and less uh, like this last arc we had like so that's maybe I think why we're going to get these individual stories for a while but uh, we'll see I'm not sure what they would do next I guess the, the next thing they would have to do because they already did Ultron they wasted that on one movie they already did Thanos uh, I think the next thing would have to be uh, either some sort of real Civil War thing or a scroll thing maybe right that's why I was thinking scrolls is like an obvious one, but I feel like they want to go with something less obvious. And plus they already did that once with Captain Marvel, even though it was on a smaller scale. I mean, they really want to double dip on that. Um, maybe though, maybe you have some sort of, uh, you know, like a Lactus or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. What Dude, you're bring that Red Skull back. Red Skull. Yeah, Red Skull would be good, but I don't know if he would be, uh, something the vendors would fight. Yeah. I don't know who, who knows. But anyways, um, I'm excited just to see, uh, that, but also what characters decide to focus on next. Uh, Young Avengers, I think, is a pretty good shot that that's where they'll go next with Kate, uh, with um, Cassie, and uh, some other people. Uh, Wanda and Vision are going to get their own series. I hope in that series we'll see that they'll have kids, and then those kids later become part of the Young Avengers, and we get that movie. You know, more movies like that where we can make a Young Avengers thing and have them do its own thing. And it's not always about the world ending. We can have smaller stories, kind of like Winter Soldier. I guess I mean, the role wasn't ending, but I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't like Thanos level epic. We don't need to do that every single time because then eventually, like you were saying, when then where's the top? You got to keep you know upping the ante every single time. Let's go back down to just smaller stories for a second. I think the one thing that I'm not that I'm excited for that sounds morbid, but I'm I'm not anxious either. I'm almost nervous to see who dies. And I think that's something that we've talked about on the show before is that in Endgame, heroes need to die. I got a question for we you. Need, yeah. we, we were guessing in Infinity War who was going to die, right? And I said Rocket, and he turns out to be the only uh, uh, Guardian that didn't die or get snapped away. Uh, if he's the, uh, and when they bring it back and everybody comes back to life and then he dies, does, do I, does that count? No. I mean, he still technically died. Yeah, but not in Infinity War. They're both one. They both shot at the same time. Maybe I just had a feeling. 
different different titles though. <laughs> yeah. My uh, but there's I like my thought is that I am fairly certain that in this movie, uh, if I don't cry, I will be a monster. I'm gonna consider myself a monster. So there you go. We've been uh, building up for this for ten years. Uh, Garrett, we all have that? dreams. <laughs> well, I was gonna say I don't know if you necessarily have to cry. It might get misty. But uh, that's what uh, your coat's for, your shirt, and don't let anyone see that. Coat? It's going to be, <laughs> by that point, uh, Garrett, it's going to be 70 degrees. Dude, don't even jinx it. Like, <laughs> you better just screw off right now. Uh, Garrett, I have a question. This one here, this next topic is for you alone because you're the only one who gets this. But I am curious to see how's it going. How's that uh, DC Universe uh, subscription service going? Uh, it's going really good. Um you know, I think the next big thing, you know, I watched a couple of episodes of Titans. Uh, they did announce some cool news today that uh, the uh, cast member from uh, Game of Thrones is going to play Bruce Wayne in the next season. Uh, I can't think of his name. Yeah, and the Game of Thrones, he plays Jorah. Yeah, yeah, the guy that plays Sir Jorah Mormont. Khaleesi. <laughs> that guy, okay. Right. The guy that gets the scabies um, <laughs> or whatever disease Gray he gets. Skin. Gray skin. Um, uh so that's cool. Um, you know, I've heard Doom Patrol is rocking it right now. I, I'm waiting for all those episodes to get out, and then I'm going to binge watch through that. My uh, hashtag SS1 has been watching them, and he says it's really funny. He's never read any Doom Patrol ever, so that's pretty interesting that something that's not so uh, common is like a big hit. So I'm excited to get into that. And then Swamp Thing's next, right? Uh, yep, Swamp Thing's here in May. I think we're at, well, technically right now it's Young Justice Season 3B is going on right now. Um, but then, yep, uh, Swamp Thing in May here, uh, which I'm really excited. That's probably what I'm most excited for out of the streaming service right now. What do we think with their uh, comic uh, lineup? Has it gotten better since the beginning? or Yeah. It has gotten better. They have a lot of things in there. Um, I don't think it's obviously as extensive as like Comicsology Unlimited, but uh, if you're looking for DC only content, they have a lot of the big names in there. I mean, they got Infinite Crisis, they have Final Crisis, they have uh, the 52 storyline in there. A lot of things that I'm surprised they've put on there so far. So, uh, yeah, the catalog keeps getting bigger, and that's exciting because I'm hoping it gets like Marvel Unlimited big. Uh, speaking about that, Alex, uh, this is going to be for all of us, but Alex, I want to hear from you first because I have a very specific question about this topic for you. You mentioned a while ago, or I mean in this episode a while ago, uh, that you read Criminal on Hoopla. How's your Hoopla adventure been What about with the digital? How's Alex doing with digital comics? You know, it's actually been very good. This is a shout out to uh, Sergeant America. I am on book three of Manifest Destiny, so I'm about 13 issues in. Uh, I'm using Hoopla like my job, like it's my job. I read Criminal. I uh, was gonna read Grass Kings, but that's by issue by issue. I thought eh, Papa needs a little more uh, experience reading on this. It's great. I mean, when I'm rocking my daughter to sleep, or if she's already sleeping in my arms, I can read a book. Um, what some you know the weird crazy thing for me is that I was so harsh on like, oh, why would I want to read on my phone? Uh, why wouldn't I want to read on my phone? I've always it's got convenient. books on me. Yeah, so I've always got books on me. And Alex, uh, I you... wish that I had more rentals, though. No, oh, that is true. What do you get, six? Uh, yeah, I've got six. Um, yeah, sometimes if you fly through books, it's a little bit less. But sometimes if you get a nice size one, then you uh, can catch up. But I was going to say, Alex, actually, I think you hit the nail on the head, especially for people um, who need to do it in those little moments. 
uh, rocking your daughter to sleep, you said, but also like when you know my sons are going to sleep, or even like if I'm waiting somewhere in some sort of waiting room, or if I'm just trying to kill like five to ten minutes, I'll read a couple pages, and it, uh, I think it works great for that. I mean, you can't do that unless you plan ahead with physical comics. So I think that's where this falls in, at least for people who want to do a mix of the both. Uh, Hoopla is a great place, and digital comics in general is a great place to uh, kind of supplement your uh, print reading with stuff. You're like, I'm not sure, sure about that. I'm not sure if I would buy that. And then you read it and be like, oh, actually, that was pretty good. And you gain that kind of uh, experience with other things you might have not picked up before. So, uh, well, and yeah. Sorry. Well, I was saying that the other thing is that I, so I own the whole run of Scout, but instead of having to dig out my issues, not that I don't know what they are, I don't have to, and this is going to sound crazy, I don't have to put my fingerprints on them. I can just read it on my phone and still own them. That's and true. And eventually, yeah, I'll, I'll go back and look at them, or yeah. I, yeah, I will read them. But why not, instead of, if I'm on vacation or it's, you know, 10 o'clock at night and I can't quite sleep, but I want to start reading, why not just read it then and there? There you go, and Alex. Make, you know, you, you get the library editions on your phone, so I still get 12 issues at a time. Uh, fantastic. I'm going to reread Saga on my phone because I don't want to dig out all 64 issues. 54. There you go, Alex. Try Actually, that's the again. perfect... Uh, Way Alex can use Alex can use. He can collect the issues, stole, uh, put them away, but then he can still enjoy them by reading them on Hoopla. Uh, Gary, you been reading any uh, things on Comicsology Unlimited Hoopla? Um, I would say the last thing was uh, Criminal Volume One. I mean, obviously the books for this week's show I uh, got off of. Well, some of them I did, some of them I got obviously in print. Um, but uh, it is. I mean, it is a great resource. It's a. Uh, it's very convenient. I mean, I think I agree with Alex on, you know, you might own the thing, but it's easier to just click a button. And I think that's what we said about, too, with like the Marvel, uh, the DC Plus app coming out. I mean, you might own it, whatever. But why can't you just it's easier to just click the button and be like, watch, then find the disc, get it out, put it in the thing, which sounds kind of lazy and stupid, but. Um, I do like the digital reading service. It's just really accessible. Um, you know, the Hoopla, uh, catalog isn't as big as some of the others. Um, so, but I do love using that app cause it does have it. It's nice. Like if Comixology doesn't have something that Hoopla might have it or vice versa, if not there, then you're back to that print selection. They do add uh, a lot of things right away, especially DC stuff. Like right now, they just uploaded uh, Detective Comics Volume 9, which is issues 988 through 993. Uh, so if somebody wants to read that, like they can catch up pretty quick on stuff. Uh, I think they actually just, to let me double check if I'm correct, uh, uploaded a bunch of, no, that was a Comicsology Unlimited. Actually, no, no, it's here too. Uh, Hellboy? They went crazy in the Hellboy because uh, that movie's coming out. They uploaded like every single issue of Hellboy or volume of Hellboy. On there, so if you're looking to catch up on that, uh, that's also on there. Um, but those aspects that Alex was talking about, but also I mentioned too, like being able to hear you guys talk about a book and then pick it up and read it, or even the uh, criminal thing. I have it here, and I picked it up on my phone because I was at work. And I was like, oh, let me start reading this book. We're going to start uh, talking about it soon. I read like half of it on my phone, and then I came home, and I read the rest of it in the trade while sitting and charging my phone. And it's just nice being able to go back and forth. It's just convenience about it. And with anything, it's 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 convenience of being able to experience these books and not... Especially Comics Algae Unlimited. I mean, not to push somebody towards digital, but you, if you become part of that, you get a discount on new comics. 
And now that I kind of moved towards digital, like it makes that experience less. Because before Windows full price, I was kind of like, hey, do I really want to do this? But ever since I found out that, it kind of makes it okay for me. <laughs> it's 15% off. So like, I mean, it's okay when I pay uh, $320 for an issue that's $399. And it might not seem like much, but when you buy, you know, like five, six issues, that's a couple bucks. So yeah, that's, that's, another, that's another issue I can get. So uh, speaking of which, I wanted to get your guys' take. We talk about it every once in a while on the show, and every once in a while we know that you're reading something that maybe we don't talk about on the show. Uh, what's your uh, your backlist look like right now with books and trades? Anything on there right now that you're uh, trying to get to? Uh, for me, it's uh, com- I'm criminal. I, you know, since I read that first one, I kind of got uh, I've been hooked on Brubaker and Phillips for a while, but I just have never read all of Criminal. So that's probably where I'll be heading next is Volume Two of Criminal. Uh, right now, I'm reading Manifest Destiny on Hoopla. Uh, I'm going to read Fatal by Brubaker and Phillips. Uh, I've got a whole fleet of... I've probably at least got 2,000 issues of back matter to read. From Daredevil by Mark Way to Proof by Riley Rosmo. Oh, I can't remember who writes it. Uh, proof? Yeah, the guy who did uh, um, Rasputin. Hey, uh, I want to say it was Grecian, but I don't know if that's quite right. Um, anyway, I've got a whole crap load of things to read, but right now Hoopla is the thing that is making it doable. So not not to recall back to Hoopla, but I've it's just it's mind change. It's like mind blowing how much it's changed my life when it comes to reading. I don't have to spend the money to buy old books that I haven't read, but I've always wanted to. Uh, so Manifest Destiny right now is the big thing. I mean, uh, also support your local library. They usually have a lot of trades and uh, issues that you can uh, check out. Uh, my son went there recently and saw a couple of Hulk things. He's uh, obsessed with the Hulk Hulk recently, and so uh, he was excited about that. We obviously not ready to actually read those, but um, he was excited to see Hulk on a uh, cover there. So, And actually, I mean, uh, Hoopla is uh, provided to you by your local library, and so I do feel like that's a great service especially if you're trying to get into comics go get a library card get on hoopla you can try these things and kind of get used to a reading comics but also figure out what you like before you start spending money on comics i know that's a big thing for people when they first try to get into comics they're always like oh i don't want to go in it's too overwhelming i don't want to buy something like how do i know where to start if i feel like if it's if it's free you're more apt to be like let me just try this and try it to see if i like this or not rather than spending money on it especially when you get like when they're looking, especially new readers, they go out there and they either A, get a trade, which is like 10, 15 bucks a pop, or they're going to pick up an issue and maybe that's not how they want to read this. At least this way they can try a trade and be like, oh, okay, I understand this now. So, um, on my list here, books and trades, uh, I will get to it, boys. I've been thinking about it more and more, and I don't know why. I was staring at it uh, the other day when I was editing because it's in my office here. I was looking at it and be like, why have I not? Like, I understand what my aversion is to starting the series, but I will finish Why the Last Man uh, ASAP. Dude, you got to do it before that show comes on, then you're never going to read it. What show? Oh, it's going to be on TV. Yeah, you're right. Um, I don't know, but... Uh, and actually, moving on to the next thing, actually, is part of this, the state of the business. I wanted to get you guys' take on the state of the business, uh, comic uh, business. Um, there's a couple of questions I have for you guys in this section. First, the first thing I'm going to go off of the last thing. Why the last man I was staring at me? Like, I really want to get to that. After reading Criminal, 
kind of got my blood uh, pumping again for some more criminals. So I thought about jumping into those. And when I read that first volume of Criminal, Alex, let me know. Actually, you're reading some uh, scalp and stuff like that right now. I've been really reading a lot of more recent stuff recently, like weekly. I haven't really delved back into like old stuff recently. When I read Criminal and, you know, rereading it probably for the second, I mean, the third or fourth time, um, I kind of got this rush again being like, this is why I love comics. Like, it was great. It gave me this kind of feeling being like creatively, like started uh, getting the wheels turning and being like, oh, God, this is good. I don't think I felt that for a while in like the last couple months in recent comics. Um, I mean, I think the last book that really got me going like that was maybe Mr. Miracle. But even then... I think I like enjoyed it, but it wasn't like, I don't know. I, is there something wrong with me? Or do you guys think that recently there's not a lot of books that are like, because I feel like a lot of books we used to be like, oh, so gung-ho about, they kind of got delayed and aren't coming out anymore. Yeah, yeah there's, there's one. Okay, go ahead, well, I said the one thing is that like when we do the, the uh, book club, it's not just random books that we choose. It kind of is, but a lot of it is it's it's things that we've heard that's good. Criminal is is an amazing series. Uh, that first that first volume is what a way to get into that series. What a way to get into these books. Um, and a lot of it has to do with when you read something as a collected item, you're not just seeing the issues like we do per week. So you you know what you're getting into, and it's you get to do that binge read, which does really give those juices flow and really gets your th- your mind thinking. Going okay, how would I do this story? What would make it interesting and a different aspect? And I think a lot of it has to do with when you get to see more material at one time than just week per week and month per month. Yeah, I would say like right now we're in a kind of a lull. I mean, you're right, Marvin, so many books are being delayed and pushed back. And it's just like, maybe you're trying to do too much. You know, I remember uh, a couple years back, they had like a keynote speaker talking to comic book industries. That's like, why don't we think about quality as opposed to quantity and trying to make more? If you make a quality piece of work, people will come. And I feel like we're getting that a lot less like think of it like batman creatures of the night you guys remember that like it hasn't even finished yet and i have no idea when that last issues come or the last two issues are coming out because i think only the first two have come out no first three came out first three came out but still the fourth one when's that coming out um yeah exactly and it's like doomsday clock i saw it got pushed back another five weeks and there's all these things being pushed back and pushed back and you know, I think the next thing on the horizon that I think is going to be worthwhile is Hickman's run on X-Men. But, I mean, come on, let's be honest. We know Hickman. That book's going to be delayed a million times over as well. So, oh, Not to not to fight you on it, but I have a feeling that if that if that's going to be paying work, he's going to be on that, like, <laughs> stink on a skunk. Yeah, I mean, I agree with Alex. I don't think Avengers was ever delayed that much because he was getting really? a paycheck. Yeah. Okay, well then, fine. I mean, but I'm just thinking of like Black Monday Murders. That slot isn't finished. Yeah, I know. Two right? years. So. I mean, that's what I was thinking about today. Was like that book, um, Lazarus in a way. Even though we just got the Corley issue uh, recently, but uh, Black Magic, um, mm-hmm. things, books like that that were like, and so, I mean, this we know is on a break, right, Alex? But I think Saga is the last yeah. book that used to come out on a monthly basis that got my, you know, and I, I want to put it this way, actually, that made me not, not sad only, but like my, it touched me in my emotions. Right. Um, 
there's no book that recently has made me sad, I don't think, or really like made me super pumped or made me really angry. Like I remember talking about um uh Royal City did that for me, but it was kind of towards the beginning of the issues, not really the end. Uh Saga definitely. I think Alex, we talked about a couple issues that really hit home. But also um Vision by Tom King, like that one really uh and a little bit of Mr. Miracle. Um actually a lot of Mr. Miracle. But I feel like those are the last few things and they're also very rare. I feel like there was a period of time when we had like Southern Bastards, we had Saga coming out, we had East to West on a consistent basis, we had Black Magic, Black Science, Lazarus. Like this, that was a prime. And where did all these, these books are, half these books are still supposedly still coming out, but I think it's lost a little bit there. Is, are we just kind of cynical or what's going on here? No, I, I, of, I agree with you. I mean, it's but just, a lot of it is it's, they're busy doing other things. It's, and unfortunately, the, the books is what takes the hit. And we're missing out on, I mean, I miss Southern Masters. That was one of the best books coming out. Um, Black Monday Murders, I don't know where that, that's never coming out, guys. We're going to have just a lot of cancellations. Ten years from now, we're going to get, finally, hey, we're going to finish this book. I'll be 50, almost <laughs> dead. Won't matter. Um, I get a question for uh, uh, our audience out there. If anybody wants to respond to us at Wednesday Comics or Wednesday Comics 605 at gmail.com, facebook.com slash Wednesday Comics Podcast, or our on the phone, 605-215-1849. Um, so for a while, like that period I was talking about, there's some great creators doing some great work. And now I don't feel like there's any young creators kind of picking up that slack to, to fill in those gaps. Uh, is there some books we're missing? Should we be reading some stuff? I know Alex is getting on board with Manifest Destiny. He's catching up on that to see how that is. But are we missing something here? Like, um, Is there some book out coming out right now that you think is amazing? I'll check it out. I mean, I'll see how it's going. The next book I think I'm looking really looking forward to, obviously as a fan of the center, a center we're looking forward to. So, um, jeez. Uh, but uh, actually, getting false when that comes back, I think that's the, that's the only book coming out right now that I'm like every time I read, I'm like, this is fantastic. Like creatively, it gets my mind going. I'm like, oh fuck, how did they do this? The art's fantastic, the story's fantastic. Um, I think it's where I am right now. Like even this week, even when I say like Invaders was great and uh, uh, I enjoyed uh, Detective a lot. Like, none of it's ever going to be something where, you know, three months from now, I'm going to be like, hey, remember that issue of uh, Invaders? I'm not, it's good because of this week, like out of the week, but it's never going to be something where I'm going to bring it up on a book club. It's like, hey, you guys want to guys uh, read Invaders? Like, I would never be, like, recommended or anything like that. I mean, I would recommend it, but I wouldn't be like, hey, here's one of the classics you got to read. Right. Uh, but I would for Mr. Miracle. I would for uh, Vision. I would for Saga. Like, that's, that's what I mean. Like, where's these things again? Um I don't know. But also part of the State of the Union, or State of the Business, excuse me. Um, uh, I wanted to ask you guys, uh, do you feel like, uh, because here we come, and uh, the end game uh, MCU movie, Avengers, is breaking records that sold five times as fast uh, the tickets, or as mo- many tickets as uh, Infinity War did on the first day? Um, but do you think, and we have this Disney Plus, where they're obviously putting a focus on it, on the Marvel aspect of it dc excuse me dc is uh still pumping out movies trying to figure that out do you feel like that uh enough is being done on the comic side to try to get new people on board or do you think it's more just to fulfill whoever's still on board um i don't know i mean i feel like we're kind of beyond the stage where new comic creations are being made that you know, or for that kind of medium, like the superhero medium, 
you can only really dive into the past. Um, if you're lucky, it can be the most recent past, but like, you know, it's, we're talking that if they try to do a movie of like the court of owls from Scott Snyder, like it has to be established book. So I don't know. I feel like we're superhero wise. There's nothing really coming out. That's new content or trying to, uh, create new fans um there's just like reprints obviously but then like with independent content that's all being like made for tv and so it's i feel like another reason for our last question why we're losing so much great content is because all those people that are creative masterminds have started have started being like hey tv is kind of cool and it's like no don't leave comics but that's kind of what they've been doing I think the thing for comic books right now, it's the, what, what actor like Chris Evans has made Captain America a uh, household name. It's how much can you get from the MCU back into the books? How many people are going to go see winter soldier and go, you know what? I want to read that book. I want to see what the original story was like. Um, how many people are going to go back and read Infinity Gauntlet before they see Infinity War for the hundredth time? How many people want to read these things that have already come out and established what you're seeing and then maybe get sucked into these newer books? Because the thing that's a part of it is that the thing we always talk about, where do people jump in? If someone doesn't want to read Hoopla, but they're like, man, I really want to read a Captain book. Where, what's a good Captain America book? Um Mar- Captain Marvel just came out. Do I read the the Kelly Thompson book? Do I want to go back and read the Kelly Sudeikis book? Do I want to read you know these things? There's people don't know where to start, and a lot of what actually does help is give suggestions. Is what helped guide this movie? Who wrote something that was memorable enough that they took an idea from, or who gave this character the right voice and built them up to be who they are? You know, I um. At the time, and uh, I think it's kind of died off a little bit, but Walking Dead, the comic book, was a big runaway hit with the mainstream, especially collected editions. It always showed up in the New York Times bestseller list as like the top-selling comic book. Um, and then, obviously, the show came out, and that was popular, too, but both of them are kind of on the downward hill right now. Uh, do you think that happens again? I don't think... I mean, that's the last like mainstream comic. You think now there's too many comics down, it's too diverse, and like Garrett's saying... Uh, there's less focus on it as a, a medium that maybe that's the reason why? Or do you think maybe just that book hasn't came out yet? Because Saga is one of them. Saga I hear people talking about, but also not to the extent that Walking Dead is. Like Walking Dead, at work, uh, when I used to... Uh, I mean, I still work there, but when I used to work in a different department, I would go around and hear people talking about Walking Dead all the time, and it was always weird being like, oh, they like they don't read comics, but they read Walking Dead. And that's all they read. They read Walking Dead, and that's what they read. I don't think there's a book like that anymore where people just, that's all they get, because they're like, oh, I like Walking Dead. I'm going to get this comic book. But they don't read comics. They just get Walking Dead. I don't think Saga is, like, great, and I think with a comic book community, it's, like, a book that everybody reads, but I don't think there's that mainstream thing anymore. What do you think that is? you think it's uh, accessibility to this kind of books, or...? I I think you're right, though, that it's, it's too many comics are out right now. Like, if you think about it with Image Comics alone... Like, that used to be when a new Image 1 came out, like, so much promotion for it. Um, You know, you would know pretty well quick if that book was going to be successful or not. Now, you're basically getting a new number one every week from Image, whether it's a miniseries or a new ongoing. 
And some of the concept, it's just, it seems like this started out as a great think tank, but now they're running out of ideas. And so it's kind of getting like more and more cliche every time there's a new number one. It's like, what if it's a super genius that helps solves crimes, but is a good guy? You know, it's just like things like that. Like, I don't know. I think the only thing for me is that it, it seems now that comic books aren't written for comic book's sake. They're written for, can this become a movie? Can this be a TV show? Um, how much money can I make off of this in a different medium? But I first need to come up with a story for it. Um, I think, unfortunately, we're getting a half-assed story then. Because you're not getting it necessarily for what you're creating it to do. You're hoping there's a big paycheck at the end of it. So it, it doesn't seem as honest. It doesn't seem as, uh, it almost to me feels like a sellout move that none of these books are written for being books like saga. I, 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 I'm sure eventually that may become a TV show. Maybe it will become a movie, but I also think that Brian K. Vaughn knows how to make this book as amazing as it has always been. Uh, and that's why they took the year off is that they could get some rest. They could be with their families before they get focused back on for the next 54 issues, a hundred issues, however many issues they plan to make. Um, which is something as a, uh, I don't want to call myself a veteran comic book reader because you should see the giant ass stack I have. A veteran would be caught up. I am not. Um, but I respect the fact that they want to take a break. And I respect the fact that they have lives that don't revolve around books. But when they get back into that book, that is what their life is. Is And same with Jeff Lemire. When he does an eight-hour shift, this is my job. I write books because I like writing books. Alex, I think actually part of what I'm feeling, you just nailed right in the head there. A lot of new books now, especially from up-and-coming writers, do feel like they're pitches for movies or TV shows that are trying to get the it picked up and uh, made into an adaptation where the last uh, slew of artists and writers that I was talking about, like when we had Southern Masters on those books coming out, it felt like those were meant to be comics. And it felt like that's where they, that's why I got that passion to the writing was that like, this is where it meant to live. And a lot of times now we get a five issue mini because it's just a pitch to make it into a TV series. And it's like, okay, well like then why even just go pitch to somebody, but they, they're hoping they could put it out. Some of you read it and make it into a, a TV show because they, you know, there's too many people talking to them, giving them pitches at the studio. They'll just make this on their own, and hopefully somebody picks it up. But also, I think another aspect of it is uh, the uh, when I went back to and talk about the amount of comics. Because if you look, I was just looking um, week to week. Look at this diamond list, and don't just look at like what DC's putting out, what Marvel's putting out. Add up all of them together. That's like a hundred books every week that are like brand new. Not even not talking about second printings or anything like that. I'm talking about new issues that week. There's like close to 100 every single week. Um, how, and some of them, I mean, Marvel's the biggest uh, person, I would assume, uh, publisher that does this. It's like, how many X Men books do you have? Like, how do you expect anybody to keep up with this? And I think that's part of what uh, I was thinking about it, Garrett, when I was talking about Walking Dead. Like, they used to be like, hey, that was the big thing. I don't think it's happening anymore because they're oversaturating what they're putting out and nobody can focus on one book anymore because they have to pick up like five or six of them and be like, oh, here's a new one here. Let me try this, this, and this, this. Or back in the day, it was like, okay, Walking Dead. Like, I'm going to get Walking Dead, and that's what I'm going to get. Mm. I don't know. I, I, The reason why I keep bringing this up, and I brought it up a lot on this podcast, is that I feel like I used to hear about comics outside of our group more from just people being like, oh, yeah, I read this one book. Like, I read this book, or I read this book, or I, yeah, I've read that. But nowadays, it feels like it's just, <laughs> you know, our group, not just me, us three on here, but also hashtag gets us one, or people we know from the comic shops, stuff like that, that talk about comics. Uh, but beyond that, like I don't hear anybody 
outside of our group be like even attempting to read comics anymore. And I fe- I'm hopeful that that's just because maybe they're not bringing it up, but people know that I like people know that me and Garrett um, do a comic podcast where we work. And uh, I don't know about you, Garrett, but I don't think if they always be like, oh, okay, that's cool. Like, and then, and then they like kind of ask you questions about comics, but you realize that they don't read comics. But it used to be for a while, be like, oh yeah, I read this. What about this? Like, I want to get into it. And they used to ask questions about trying to get into it. I don't think I, right. I, I haven't been approached like that in a while. Yeah. I mean, I just think we live in a world where there's just so much content that, I mean, there might be something that you find special, but there's a million other things that are just as special that maybe you don't know anything about. And then it's just like, uh, okay. So there's just like too much stimulus, you know, when we started our comic fandom and like our doing this podcast, you know, that's probably the end of an age where, you know, yeah, you only had Netflix and your Hulu. Now we have all these different streaming services. We have all these exclusive TV shows. We have all these things, movies. And, you know, the, how many superhero movies are there in a year now? There's like six or seven. So there's just so much content that I don't know if that's just going to be a thing anymore. Like, it's going to be hard, especially for us since we are so in it. But it's going to be hard for us to be able to find new things that we don't already know about that sound interesting and compelling. You know what? Actually, Garrett, there we go. That's the, that's the thing what I'm going to say. I mean, that's the perfect answer to this. There's no more, there's not going to be any Beatles anymore because there's so much music nowadays. They all have smaller fan groups and that's what it is. There's no going to be no more culture phenomenon like Star Wars because every other month we have a blockbuster movie coming out that makes a billion dollars and there's never ever going to be a book like The Walking Dead where everybody's talking about anymore because we have 100 issues coming out a week. And nobody can focus on that, let alone, like you're saying, all the other entertainment that's coming out. And right. I think that's what it is, is that we have smaller groups of fandom now rather than everybody talking about one thing. And so uh, we're all turning into lead dents from Tokyo Ghost, man. Before you know it, <laughs> we're going to be completely dissociated from reality. There we go. Wednesday Comics 605 at gmail.com. That's the address. Send us an email. Let us know what you think. Any new comics? You want us to check out? Let me know. Uh, not to say I don't love comics anymore. I just need somebody to, to you know, the pilot light's kind of going a little low. Let me uh, throw some fuel on there. Uh, may I go back and read some old stuff? May I go back and read the classics that I love, right? Gotham Central sitting right here. Maybe I should pick it up. Uh, 605-215-1849. That is the phone number to leave us a voicemail. Uh, Wednesday Comics on uh, Twitter. That's at Wednesday Comics. Excuse me. At Alex Pastrello at Karat2188 and at Marvin underscore Salguero. Facebook.com slash Wednesday Comics Podcast. Also find us on YouTube. Search for Wednesday Comics and we'll be there uh, for you to say hello. Uh, Garrett, what do you think? Uh, we got a book club? Yeah, Wednesday Comics League of Extraordinary Gentle People proudly presents Marvels, written by Kurt Musaic with art by Alex Ross. There we go, Marvels. Uh, it's coming up on an anniversary here. They're releasing one, but go ahead and go pick that up. Uh, I believe that book is available via those services we talked about before, or your local comic book shop. Pick up that trade and read it. Uh, I am the only one out of three of us that have read it before, I believe. Correct? Correct. I haven't. I have uh, read it. And it is fantastic. That might be one to put that fuel on that pile of light, Garrett. So uh, good thing you picked that one. Uh, Roots of the Swamp Thing.com, definitive source for all things Swamp Thing. On Twitter at DC World Swampy. On Facebook at Facebook.com slash Roots of the Swamp Thing. 
Uh, make sure you check out RuthlessSwampton.com to get up uh, to date on the Swamp Thing before that series comes out on DC Universe. And you can start watching it in May. It's going to be based on the uh, Alan Moore saga, the Swamp Thing. We are getting anatomy uh, lessons uh, as an episode, they said. So I'm excited to see how that turns out. Um, looks good so far. Everything I've seen of it. So uh, I'm looking forward to that and see how that is. I'll probably uh, dip my toes into that DC Universe to catch up on a couple of the shows and let you know how they are. Uh, especially Swamp Thing. I think that's the one I'm holding out for. And then I'll get in there and watch some things. Uh, you know what, boys? Good show. Yeah, a lot of conversation. Yeah, you know, we're not in the same place tonight, but I feel you in my heart. Uh, outside, you know, uh, it's December. Uh, December. <laughs> well, it feels like it. Jeez. April 11th. Uh, outside, you know, snow came down. Uh, it was 60 like four days ago. And uh, you know what? It's going to be like this for the rest of our lives, boys. You know, tomorrow might be tornado and be uh, monsoon. And then the next day here, we got uh, icicles and uh and snowman outside so Alex did you take a walk today uh, I did not I know you love the cold don't lie to me you're out there swimming around in some nice ice water uh, you take, ever take an ice bath I do not All I, right. don't, I don't like I don't like that cold yeah let's I'm take a, hot a night. I'm a hot shower man so you come and meet us everybody uh, it's gonna be the next uh, Wednesday comics meetup we're all gonna take an ice bath together and read some comics my name is Marvin I'm Alex I'm Garrett hey everyone Keep turning those pages.